0: Welcome to a very special episode of Footy Time with the theme of this year's minor premiers, the Geelong Footy Club. And today to discuss their journey in season 2022 and general life being a Cats fan is none other than my very own brother, James Raff. James, welcome to Footy Time.
1: Hi, Johnny. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, I've been listening for a long time and it's a, it's a real honor to finally be on, to, to be on the program.
0: it's great to have you here uh look so in the RAF family uh we weren't really born into our footy teams like many other families were we've got a a bit of a melting pot of different allegiances and as you all know I'm a staunch Melbourne fan but James has actually been a, a very devout Geelong fan since the 90s and we've got him on today to chat a bit about what that's been like over the journey and obviously the Cats chances in 2022 so to start where it all began, James, how did you start barracking for the Geelong Footy Club? <laughs> uh,
1: Johnny, it's a it's a good question because um, there's probably a couple of reasons, all probably a bit nonsensical. Because you're right, we weren't born into supporting a team. Uh, um, no. Mum and Dad, obviously, our Dad, you know, is a is a big Collingwood fan, yep. and Mum being a Hawthorne fan, and they definitely definitely didn't push us in those directions. Thankfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, I think really the big, <laughs> the main reason I am a Geelong fan is because we had a cat growing up, so I think that's one of the, the main reasons, but also, you know, in the mid-90s, Geelong were a pretty good team, and I think, you know, you kind of uh, combine the fact that we had a, had a cat with the fact that the cats were actually quite good, um, and that's sort of how it ended up happening, um. I feel like uh, it's not a it's not a sort of rational reason, but you know sometimes things in football aren't necessarily that rational, especially the way you support a team. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I started going for Geelong, and yeah, I mean they were they were a pretty easy team to like back then, um, as you would know. I mean there there were some huge names. I mean Gary Ablett was my hero, um, and yep. uh, had the number five on the back as a kid. Um, yeah. Still got and, that you know, jumper as well. Still got that jumper. Still wear that jumper. Still it's kind it. of um yeah, yeah. I still have yeah, I do still have it and uh, I I take very good care of it now because it's a bit of a a special item now oh, to me. But um yeah, uh, I think that, you know, like I said, they were an easy team to like back then. I thought I think that Geelong um that that team kind of epitomized Geelong at the time that it had been a long time since they'd had any success. But they were still a good team and a great team to watch and I feel like that kind of typifies a lot of Geelong teams over the journey. Um, uh, and, you know, I think that, that yeah, they're, they're, that was sort of the gateway in at that time and ever since I've just loved the Cats.
0: Yeah, I think especially with those early 90s Geelong teams under Malcolm Blight, I think the general footy public really sort of just fell in love with the type of football they were playing. It was very helter-skelter, yeah. up and down. Uh, yeah, let, play on at all costs. Mm. They had a lot of those plays you mentioned. Everyone loved watching Gary Ablett Sr. play. They would just marvel at what he could do. Billy Brownless, Barry Stoneham, uh, mm. Paul Couch. Yeah, there were some great names there. Yeah, it was very hard not to like that side, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely I mean I'm pretty biased I, I always like you know it's easy for someone like me to say that Geelong's an easy team to like because of the way they play but I, I do kind of think there was an element of the fact that Geelong hadn't been successful for a while but they still had some exciting players over the journey like through the 80s too um yep. you know that 89 team was a pretty um uh you know all-out attack kind of team um that just and and you know I guess um the fact that, though, that they weren't a dominating force, um, I think meant a lot of people have kind of liked Geelong. Um, and maybe that was kind of a bit of a problem, you know, um, a bit of a, a a mark of their character for a long time, in that they were good and they were fun to watch. They had some stars, but couldn't quite get it done. And I think that, you know, obviously we'll get into the sort of more modern history of the team, I'm sure, in uh, later in our discussion, but I kind of feel like, a big part of the challenge in Geelong winning premierships was kind of moving beyond that, um, but what I you know what I what I think is that they added a yeah I think I think I think the evolution of Geelong has been they haven't lost that that um, uh, that flair about the way they have always played I think they're still a really the, the best Geelong teams are are, are good to watch they're likable you know, they play a likable brand of footy and I think that even that's even even true of the more modern premiership winning teams they just added a bit more i guess edge um but yeah uh, i think um yeah I, it, it's interesting thinking about uh you know what kind of defines the character of a team and how sometimes you know i guess you know you probably would have experienced that with um the the, the D's last year there, there's there's sometimes some more uh esoteric things that a club needs to overcome in order to actually mm. have success
0: absolutely yeah. um i think as well with Geelong having that in their DNA, uh, mm. I also go back to because I've obviously done a lot of reading and uh, watching a lot of docos over time mm. on on the history of the game. But uh, you look even looking back to a time like the '60s, you look at the Geelong Footy yep. Club compared to some of the other great sides around the time. Melbourne was obviously a big one under yep. Norm Smith. Collingwood under, well, I guess they'd come out of the Jock McHale time, Fonston, mm. uh, Bob Rose, those guys. But uh, down the highway, it always seemed yeah. like that was a good side too with Geelong. But under Bob Davis as coach, uh, there was just yeah. this laid back approach and these surfy yeah. guys who, they were chilled, they were laid back. You looked at Melbourne and Norm Smith and he was just the guru and the hard taskmaster, and you know. You yeah. looked at Geelong and they just seemed a bit carefree. Um, but there I was totally- a lot of talent in that side too.
1: There was, there was. And I totally agree, you know, like Bobby Davis, he kind of, you know, us not exactly... You know, we didn't grow up watching him, but we kind of knew him as a media personality and just in his later years. You know, the guy was a... a, You know, he was a character. Like, um, you know, not to say that, like, uh, you know, there aren't characters that, you know, have come through from those great Melbourne or Collingwood teams of that era. It's just that Bobby was a bit of a rogue, you know? Like, Yeah, absolutely. I think that that kind of does... um, there is a certain thing about Geelong in that the players that have been great for them are a bit uh, like different I mean look at G- Gary Ablett you look at like yeah. uh, Matthew Scarlet um, there is a there's just interesting personalities down there I don't know if it's you know being cu- be- being from the country being being a bit um, you know uh, just out of the I don't know what the right just, you know the, the right description is but you you're right there's a unique the the good the players, players that person, along are are yeah. unique. Yeah, yeah. Like and yeah, like uh, the 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 things that made the you know O seven to eleven teams great was they were led by those unique individuals. They came up yeah. with their own you know unique ways of leading, and obviously they um, went through a, a lot of um, outside examination um, to eventually get get success. But you know the I think since then the club has always been led by a pretty tight knit bunch of players in that leadership group, you know, guys like Cameron Ling and all the way through to Corey Enright and right now it's kind of like, uh, I guess Joel Selwood is kind of the um, you know, the prototype captain figure, yeah, but
0: yeah. he's
1: not a weird guy is what I'm saying, but there are those oddballs at Geelong I think that kind of like keep that flame
0: burning <laughs> It always seems like the team's full of characters, uh, there's yeah. no doubt about that um, Yeah, You know, you look at the, the Cats now, Cam Guthrie, Tom Stewart, Grind uh, Myers. There's something a little bit different about these guys. And yeah. Zach Tui, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, they've never been boring, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, they're, they're not boring. They do things differently. Like I, even Tom Stewart, you, oh, you know, you mentioned him. I mean, he sort of, um, you know, he sort of has matured into, um, you know, uh, one of the, the greats of the game. But I feel like when he burst onto the scene, he was one of those, he was definitely... He slotted right into that oddball, like, like, uh, what is it? Just that oddball character,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, um, almost a nomad, I guess, <laughs> finding yeah. his home, I guess, yeah, just like,
1: <laughs> I think so, just weird interactions with the media. I feel like, yeah, more people, more people at Geelong do that than other teams, I think,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. It it was definitely a good time to be a a Cats fan. I mean, you didn't win any flags, but it was Mm. absolutely joyful to watch. And um, I guess around that time, between you and me, we were both sharing one of the longest premiership droughts in our club's history. I think it was still the Bulldogs in South Melbourne or Sydney at the time, but Geelong yeah. had not won a premiership since 1963 and Melbourne hadn't won one since 64. So it always kind of felt like which one of us was going to break that drought first. And yeah. we finally did in 2007 and had a very good run there with, uh, with a few more flags in 09 and yeah. '11. Um, first of all, what was it like when it finally happened? And um, second, what's the one thing that really sticks out in your mind about the way those sides played?
1: Yeah. Uh there yeah, good 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 question. I I I think that um you know, that 2007 flag, it really was like uh euphoric time. Um you know, I was uh 20 and um I think that I was still, you know, seeing your team have success is a big deal and it's one of the best things you can obviously experience as a, as, a, as a fan of any sport. Um I, at the time, I when they did it, and when I was just really... Ro- that whole 2007 season, I was, as you know, I was just... It was kind of unbelievable. And I was absolutely yeah. riding that wave. The momentum just grew and grew and grew. And I think that um, being a 20-year-old, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me at the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think that's how I framed it in my mind. You know, and, and now that I'm a bit older, like, you can kind of look back with a bit of perspective and realize that it's... It was really good, but it doesn't define you. You know, no. it, it doesn't define you as much as you think it does. But, but when it's still you a haven't big deal. seen, absolutely. When and when you haven't seen it before, and like you said, like both our teams, we, we, we it was it was kind of bittersweet in some ways because I, you know, you, you, like you're saying, you and my, you and me had very similar trajectories as football fans to that point, point. Um, and then for it to suddenly be different, it was. A little hard to know how to feel. I mean obviously it was great. Mm. But it was like I I was like, oh no, now um so so you can watch football and and see your team win something. That's actually something that happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was kind of like unusual. Um but it was great. And that team was so good. Um it brought me a lot of joy, obviously. Uh they just you know, I, I don't think I'll ever have a football watching experience like that 2007 season again obviously they you know they went on and won two more premierships and they were great too but that first one is just so um exciting and it was so surprising when they start to believe when they start to believe and they win those games i remember that in that 2007 season i think it was a game against adelaide in adelaide that was just a, a classic you know uh geelong game to to drop it was just the timing was right they'd had a bit of a run had to go to Adelaide. um, And I I can't actually remember how good Adelaide were that year. I don't know if you do. But, you know, I guess any interstate trip is, um, you know, a challenge. I think they played finals. They did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They played Hawthorne in that buddy game. That's right, yeah. That buddy game. Um, So, yeah, they 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 were pretty good. And it was definitely a game that they would drop. But they didn't. They won a tight game. And I think they had to really scrap to win that one. And that was, like... You know, just there were there were moments like that through the whole season where they just kept ticking them off. Um, Yeah, and it was yeah like really surreal. Um, But yeah, and when uh, yeah when they won the flag, it was just uh, like I just you know uh, I really lapped it up. (laughs) It was great, you know, and as you know, that's that's. Uh, as you now know, that when, when your team wins a flag, you really just have to make the most of it and just sort of embrace yes. every single every single euphoric thing that's going on and just own it because, you know, you, you, they really don't, um, you know, they don't necessarily... they come in often. Again. Nah. Yeah.
0: Um, it was a yeah. sensational <laughs> season, that one. Yeah. Um, and it was the best way to win a grand final when you yes. felt like so much was riding on it. But a lot of people say and you i think you've told me before that the real grand final or the real stress came the week before in that um, yeah. in the preliminary final against collingwood uh,
1: 100% i feel like a lot of Geelong fans probably agree that that was the that was the the real the real um test i mean you can look back in hindsight i think it it's pretty clear i mean at the time um you know yeah at the time it's not as clear but yeah that that game was 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 Really crazy. It was um, uh, just a pressure cooker prelim, you know the typical the typical pressure cooker prelim where every possession is just on a nice edge. And um, I remember it was again a game like you know in the in the that we it was a game where the Geelong showed that that team had matured. You know they they, they had to scrap to the very end in in the same way yeah. that they did earlier in the season against Adelaide and countless times. Yeah, so. um yeah, the prelim absolutely was the um, the grit like it really was the grand effectively the grand final in hindsight because uh, the, the that game yeah they really had to grit and they had to fight and um, Collingwood were good and uh, I just mm. remember obviously it took some it took some real stars to kind of get us over the line yeah um, Abbot played a great game Stevie J kicked yes. some really important goals um, and. Like you know, it it would have been <laughs> like I'm sure Collingwood fans feel differently, but it would have been just just uh, tragic if they had somehow lost that um, after the season. It yeah. was. Oh, um, yeah. I just remember that game. I think you know, I, I I feel I feel for you in that you got you sort of missed the experience of being at those games last year. Um, yeah, yeah. With seeing the D's because um. 'Cause uh when I you know, being at that um Collingwood game and the siren going and just hugging, you know, random people all around me and just being completely stunned that we're in the grand final, uh, that was a, a pretty special experience. Uh oh, just yeah. you know, one of the one of the um the most amazing experiences as a fan. I mean the grand final was obviously huge as well, but the the result was pretty sort of done and dusted. Yeah. You know, but it was it was it was a, a bit of a procession in the end. But sorry, I was going to ask you what you what your feelings on that game were. You're obviously like being there was 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 very unique. But I I feel like yeah, it's just one of those prelims where where they just have to um, they just had to do they had just had to get over the line in any way yeah. that they could have. You know, it did, it wasn't going to be. Um, like because uh, the the previous final, I think they played the qualifying final was against North, and it was just a, like a it was clinical, and it was just like oh, they oh, yeah. just gonna they're just gonna romp to the flag now, but it wasn't. A that lot way. of people
0: say that's yeah. like one of the best performances in a final they've seen. Recent in recent it w- times,
1: it was the North Melbourne one.
0: Yeah, the North Melbourne. Yeah, that
1: that yeah, it was. It's kind of the like it was kind of the apex of that. I mean, the grand final was obviously. Pretty pretty great, but I feel like that North game to sort of, you know, and this has been Geelong's problem over maybe the last ten years is that that step up to the finals pressure has caught has caught them out. Um, yes. And but that year, um, yeah, their best probably all round performance was in that first final, and it was a big statement. It was, um, you know, it can't be underplayed. That, that that first final you've got to be on. Um, it, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And and especially if it's your first. Crack, you know, like uh, if you're a um, I don't know, like if you're a Richmond and you're lining up in a qualifying oh Well, I mean, you know, in sorry, what was the year where Richmond lost the qualifying final and still was it against Brisbane? They lost. I can't remember now.
0: Um,
1: they um, but like you know, a team that's well, twenty twenty. They did. That's right. Yeah, in twenty twenty, they lost, didn't they? So that, I feel like a team like that. The fact that they um, you know, a team like a Richmond who's done it before um. Going the hard way, you know, and playing the four games, the four finals, and, and getting it, getting it done. I feel like that's um, winning that first final isn't as big a deal. I think when it's your first big final and your hot favourite, um, you got to win it. And Geelong did that. Yeah, and you know, uh, hopefully they can do it again this year. <laughs> but um, yeah, I that's I think that, the key, you know, though, isn't it? Um,
0: yeah, getting that week off, going straight through to prelim. Yeah, yep. just it's a long season, you get the rest of the players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back just a little bit, though, uh, because yes. as good a season as this was, uh, there probably was one moment that was the making of this Geelong list that ended up having these successes. Uh, but <laughs> there were a few finals appearances in the previous years leading up yeah. to this uh, with the young Geelong list that included the guys we know, you know Cameron mm. Ling, Gary Ablett, Steve Johnson, Joel Corey, Corey Enright, Scarlo all those guys. Yeah. Uh, but there was a certain game in the 2005 <laughs> final series that <laughs> oh, I've got to say, if I was a fan of that footy club watching that game, uh, I might have had to have been talked down from a ledge, to be honest. <laughs> oh, you, you remember <laughs> at what state I was in <laughs> after oh, that the, game? Yeah. <laughs> It was hard to watch for, yeah, for anyone that wasn't a Sydney band, I believe. Or yeah, you know, I guess if people didn't like Geelong, maybe it was easy to watch. But uh, <laughs> how did you feel the moment that that happened, and what effect did you think it had on this team?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, in the moment, it was like heartbreaking, obviously. Um, and it's hard. <laughs> the I guess you know, it's one of those like. It's one of those moments that's really hard to avoid in the years that have gone past. I just feel like it's really easy. I can avoid all the two thousand and eight grand final replays. I feel like yeah. there's a moment I feel like, you know, there's moments from that game that don't necessarily, you know, get replayed as often. I just feel like Nick Davis kicking that final goal in that game, it's obviously a really it big air highlight. Time. It gets airtime and man, I that it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah. It was it was it was very um yeah, it was really tough. Uh and I I sort of you know, it's easy and I, I at the time, um I did I didn't really think that Geelong were gonna go on to do anything. I d di- I didn't really know how you you know, obviously it's yeah, like with the benefit of hindsight, there was the bones there of a team that could do it. They had been to the prelim the year before, in two thousand and four. Yep. Uh, they got to the semi that year. So, like, you know, they were making finals. Um, but, like, any team that's trying to sort of break through and and sort of become a contender, there is there is sometimes a period of, you know, tough lessons that have to be learned. And I guess in hindsight, that's exactly what that, that final was. Um, you know, and, like, it's pretty amazing that from there, I mean, you know, directly after that season... They have had a pretty. 2006 was a pretty average year, so it clearly took its toll, um, and there were problems. So I don't know. It's hard to say whether that that game specifically has set the trajectory, you know, for that next run. Like I think that probably a lot of the things that happened in 2006, like the review, um, and some of the harder lessons that had to be learned. I mean, the the leading team stuff that obviously shifted a lot of players thinking um, in the club I, I think that that stuff was the consolidation of um, maybe some of the lessons that had to be learned in 2005 after that game I do I, like so I guess my answer to what you're saying is I, I think that the effect of that game was big it's hard to deny that but I think that there was more lessons to be learned the year after when maybe some of the reality of the situation the team was in, um, had crystallized. I remember reading, um, I read Stevie Johnson's autobiography a couple of years ago and I, it's a, it's quite a, it's a, it's an interesting read because he's obviously a really interesting character. Um, but he talked about a culture at Geelong that, um, for, you know, I'd say probably that was a leftover from the blight era and into the early 2000s, just a, a culture of, um, I guess not really taking things too seriously, and I think that that was an offshoot of what we were talking about before about there kind of always being characters down at Geelong, like kind of like Larickens, Sam Newman. I guess fits into that mold too. Yeah, just guys, yeah. guys who are free, who who are very talented, but never really thought about what it really took to um, to actually push and uh, to actually contend and be. Yeah maybe maybe who didn't quite understand the sacrifice that needed to be made or the commitment that they needed to make to each other. And um, I don't think that until 2006 and the review and some of the stuff that happened internally, I don't think any of the players had really thought about that either, like I, and, and 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 made it work in a way that worked for Geelong. You know, I think that you know it, there are probably ways other teams are successful. You know, big Melbourne clubs have other ways of... um, You know, it's a different environment. Whereas I think Geelong Geelong and the people that end up at Geelong, you know, it's a small town. There is a bit of a focus. But at the same time, you know, there's a bit of a small town focus on the team. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's it's down near the surf coast. There's unique personalities. The lives are just... People's lives are different down there. And I think that um, it took a Geelong it took a Geelong solution to the Geelong problem. It I, yeah. I don't know if that really means that much, but I feel like that's kind of what ended up happening. I think yeah. that, you know, and- there was a specific problem with that club and it had to be it had to be worked out in a Geelong way. And it, I just think it just so happened that Bomber was the right guy. Frank Costa was the right guy. Brian Cook was the right guy. And leading teams yeah. was the right thing to get the players on board.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned leading teams. I just want to, give a brief explanation of what that is just for people who oh, might not yeah, understand. Sure. So Leading, leading Teams, uh, it was a professional development program uh, founded by, I think his name was, Ray McLean, I think his name was. Mm. And it became very popular in around the 2000s in the AFL. A few teams took it on with varying success. Geelong's probably the best example mm. of uh, a team that uh, benefited from this program. Hawthorne, I believe, used it in 2008. Mm. Uh, a lot of a lot of clubs used it. The Bulldogs, I think, under Rodney Ede. But the basic idea of it is, I guess, 360-degree feedback, isn't it? It's yeah. yeah. yeah, Talking to the person next to you bluntly about, just in an unequivocal manner, what they believe you need to be doing or what you're, yeah. what you're not doing. And, uh, yeah, it's just... Mm. It's very confronting. But uh, the Geelong guys... Really excelled after that. There is so many success stories yeah. out of that Geelong group. Is there there is,
1: and like um, that, like none of them, uh, like you know, I say that they embraced it, but it was obviously not an easy process. Like you know, guys like Gary Ablett and Steve Johnson, you know, they got they got egos. They know they're good, and they 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 were they were brilliant before two thousand and seven. But um, you know, they. And they didn't necessarily like, you know, no one necessarily liked what they were hearing from their teammates, from their captain. Um, but, you know, it worked. It, and I, I think that it, it changed, you know, Gary Ablett's career from that point. You know, he, he became Im- impeccably prepared for every game. He became yeah. a perfectionist. Uh, I think that he, before then, thought he could sort of get by on his name and his talent.
0: I, um, I've heard Cameron Mooney yeah. say before that he was a horrible yeah. trainer. Before that, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and you know he could have gone that way. Like his dad obviously was a horrible trainer too. I, I think maybe Gary Senior had a bit more freakish ability to get by without without the physical conditioning, but Ablett Junior, um, like, I think in in a maybe a slightly more modern era and in a more demanding role as a midfielder physically, um, couldn't coast along in the same way. Um, no. And you know Stevie Johnson, like you know obviously by the end of 2006 he was almost out at the door you know yeah a, a pretty well-known story um you know and he loved to party loved to drink he completely stuffed Eve his an- yeah yeah and yeah. stuffed his ankles um jumping over a fence oh yeah um, that's right yeah and you know and that could have ended his career in fact i think the doctors told him um that they would be had have permanent inhibited running ability because of that but
0: um, he couldn't move very well when it happened. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: like you know, it, uh, that that story is obviously a really great turnaround. I mean, he had to he had to um, completely rethink. You know, uh, it was it was a complete overhaul uh, for him. Um, and yeah, it's interesting, like that. That is sort of the story. You know, it could have very easily gone the. Uh, it could have gone the traditional Geelong way, where it just kind of like. You know, it was a bunch of talented, like, star players who just couldn't really get it together. But it didn't, which was great. I'm glad it didn't.
0: Because <laughs> um, that happened over the 2006 Christmas period. Yeah. And um, I remember in... Because uh, back then I was going to <laughs> a few VFL games. I, I paid attention to the Sandringham Zebras quite closely back then. Mm. Uh, I still haven't <laughs> been to a Casey game yet. But uh, I remember <laughs> round one was against Geelong out at uh, Trevor Barker Beach Oval, and uh, he... I think in that off-season, he was punished, wasn't he? He was he was he sent away from the group for a bit, and then I think he came back just yeah. before the start, and then they named him in that team to play Sandriam. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, there was some... Yeah, a lot of fans were getting stuck into him, uh, you know, yelling at see you at the pub, Jono, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, it was, He played quite well that day, though. He kicked five goals, I think. Uh, it was yeah. just amazing, though, how he, that happened that day, and by the end of that year... He was uh, being crowned the with medalist.
1: Call me Norm. Yeah, <laughs> cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I feel like there's always like these great stories um, when teams win flags. I mean, Yep. but but like uh, like that yep. is a pretty astonishing turnaround. Um, and like the fact that there were two ablets in that 07 team too. You know, that's kind of like yes. I feel like you forget that. And he really did play uh, an important role. Like weirdly, he did. Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to like believe that. Like. Um, he definitely wasn't just um you know like yeah it, he was
0: very it, it, gifted yeah as all yeah, very blitz gifted. Are, i guess yeah. yeah
1: but maybe he didn't quite have the um he didn't quite have have what his brother had in terms of sort of commitment to training or just being the best he could be i don't I think i think Nathan's priorities uh you know were elsewhere
0: <laughs> Yep. yeah no fair enough when i think of these teams these teams throughout those flags for Geelong mm. It's a little bit in the rearview mirror now, I guess, but because uh, we've had some yeah. you know, dynasty since with Hawthorne and Richmond. And yeah. Like th- This team might not have been the absolute best one in terms of well, there were quite a few very, very good players in it, but it may not have mm-hmm. been, you look at, say, I don't know, the Hawthorne teams of the 80s or something. It yeah, may not have been yeah. quite on that level, but this was probably my favourite team to watch by a mile. Uh, yeah. The way they played the game was just like the song, the way the game should be played. <laughs> I mean, they, they just knew yeah. exactly what they were good at yeah. and they just went out and did it, owning the corridor, long and direct yeah. to their tall timber. They had mm. the best defensive pressure forwards in the game. Uh, Ablett mm. would sort of do that and split between midfield and that, and Paul Chapman, obviously. Mm. Their backline was the mainstay. Oh, Everyone yeah. knew just how good that backline was. And it was a traditional man on man backline. This was before yes. all the zoning. Was very prevalent, I guess, mm, mm, but mm. some great leaders: Tom Harley, Darren Milburn, Maddie Scarlett. Yeah, uh, it still came together.
1: Yeah, it did, uh, and like you're right, there was leadership all over the ground, um, and you know, and, and Bomber had them playing. Uh, you know, I guess, like I like I was saying before, they they were a great team to watch. They were they were a good team in the way that a lot of great Geelong teams have been. Yeah. Um. But they, had, you know, they had depth, and they were physical, and they had edge, which um, you know, like they had like you know, they had they had talisman like Cam Moody and Matthew Scarlett, and um, you know, and big bodied midfielders who could, who who were skillful and could run, um, and were physical like Paul Chapman, you know, Jimmy yeah. Bartel, just guys who could get it done in all sorts of conditions, um, and and they had a ruckman which is you know <laughs> which has been a pretty unique thing in the uh, history of modern yeah. the modern Geelong team they had they had a very you know they had a ruck division which it's a bit of a novelty thinking about it now
0: yeah and they paid a decent price to get Brad Ottens down there yeah but they yeah. also had Stephen King who yeah yeah. a lot of the hopes were pinned on him at one point i think because uh, he was uh, yeah. he was in the Geelong side very young wasn't he he was yeah, almost. They're starting Ruckman from about eighteen years old. He was, but he had a very, very good. Uh, well, he had a great grand final, and uh, he did. Yeah, played a massive part. He did. Uh, I can't remember what year he left.
1: Was it the year after that? I uh, I felt like
0: it was straight after that grand final. Yeah, I think it was. He went to the Saints. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, he did have a really good grand final, um, and I think he probably realised. I don't know, I mean, he was kind of like the, um, you know, there was sort of an emerging, like, cohort of players. And I feel like Stephen yep. King was from that previous cohort, you know, like, yep. and for a long time had kind of carried the can. Like, he was, he was, you know, an elite ruckman for a really long time. And that year, um, was, you know, he was kind of... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he'd kind of fallen... Not fallen out of favour, but Odden's was obviously having a great season and had stepped into that role, uh, like, was established in that... Role as number one ruckman at that point, but yeah, it was great that Stephen King. I think Stephen King recognised that that was his moment to, you know, I think you know he he, he realised that was his moment to, to step up and and really put that like final full stop on his career. I mean, obviously he kept playing, but I kind of feel like there was a there was a recognition of the moment there from him. He had to yeah. have a good game. <laughs> it's a grand <good laughs> <Absolutely>. final. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess yeah. Touching on the Saints. Briefly touch on the other two Grand Finals. So oh, yes. The 09 Grand Final is probably the most exciting one of these Grand Finals. Yeah. How did you feel going into this game? Because that's St. Kilda's side. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dan and I recapped that season last year when we had mm. Dave Ellis on the show. Um, that was a really formidable Saints team. Uh, they really It was. I, I know it was a Ross Lyons side, but occasionally they, they could put scores on the board. Yeah, and they had yeah, won they every game up until I think it was round 21 or something. And then they, they only had two losses for the season. But what did it feel like going mm. into that game? Were they Did they seem like clear favourites? Or did you feel more like a 50-50 game as it ended up being? Mm.
1: Oh, I, I definitely was not confident. Um, yeah, you're right. St Kilda were a really like, formidable team that year. And I remember it was a really interesting season because... Well, I guess from a Geelong perspective, like it kind of felt like the wheels were wobbly. We felt like it got wobbly at a point there. Like we, we, I think the it was that season where St Kilda and Geelong were undefeated until they played each other at um yep. at a, a, a at Marvel. Um, and you were at that game, weren't you? I was at that game, and it was an incredible game. It really was. Yep. The, the, like I, I um, it just was this heavyweight like shootout. And uh it was Gardner, I think that took that you know yes. t- took that mark at the end and kicked the winning goal and Harry um, Taylor got knocked out that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a really good game, in fact, I think the um two thousand and nine season was pretty like a pretty interesting one, and like yeah. I think a pretty entertaining one I mean obviously I am biased, I think it was you know because of the how it ended up, but I do think it was a really like the story of that season was pretty amazing. I guess the fairy tale would have been for St Kilda to win, but um, yeah, I, d- I yeah. didn't think Geelong. I thought Geelong would absolutely um, up against it in that grand final. They'd kind of like eked out a bit of form coming into it. I remember like they'd had a bit of a sketchy second half to the year after that St Kilda game. Like they'd they definitely won a lot of games, but they had some losses and some tight results. They had that game against Hawthorne where they um, where Jimmy Bartel kicked the point to win. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of were scrapping their way um, through. Actually, to be honest, the trajectory is relatively similar to um, Melbourne this year, I feel. I just think that the, um, you know there was a, they had a really good run at the start of the year and then second half just sort of had to get, get the job done. But then the, in the finals that year, we, had, we sort of worked our way into a bit of form. I think in the prelim, we, we had a pretty good win against Collingwood. And then going into that St Kilda game, yeah, I wasn't particularly confident, but you know, anything can happen on grand final day. And it was a uh the most stressed I've ever been at a um yep. at a game. Uh yeah, just wow. that that game was tense, it was tough, it was um uh I remember just um Yeah, just like Geelong, Geelong didn't lead until the end of the game, I think. In terms of oh, um
0: I think that might be every, right. <laughs>
1: I think at every break we were down and then we, we somehow, yeah, scrapped the way to a win. And yeah, and that season, yeah, we we finally got to, I think that grand final was pretty special in that we got to have that moment, you know, the toe poke, like I guess the, the previous flag, the yeah. f- previous flag in 2007, well, there w- there wasn't sort of those, um there wasn't a moment that sort of capped off the... The season in that way, yeah. whereas you know there was kind of like a moment for the folklore um, with, with, with yeah. that with that ending. Um, you know, if I go back and w- those moments of
0: the special are, moments yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, last year, you- uh, like I still think, uh, I think I've told you yeah. this before, but I still think that in the twenty twelve grand final when Nick Melchessky kicks that goal yes. to seal it, it is like the most goosebumps. Yes, yeah, <laughs> oh, it's just uh it's it's just one of those things where, well. This team's worked so hard all season, and you can just exclamation point right there, kind of thing. That's exactly it.
1: Like it's and that football, like you know, football gives you those moments sometimes, and it's pretty special. Like there's not really anything else where you know that that sort of you're right. Like a season can boil down to a moment, and you know when the crowd obviously go when they go up, and you and, and like someone just does something. Magical out on the field, it's kind of hard to resist, and it's pretty euphoric. And yeah, when when Chappie kicked that goal, it was just epic. You know, it was um, it was I just couldn't really believe what was happening based on how the game had gone and the opposition, because um, like yeah, like St Kilda were really really good. That team should have won a flag. Yeah.
0: And where were you sitting again for that oh, goal, James? Yeah, so...
1: I uh, I got a standing room uh ticket for that uh for that grand final, um, through my membership. So I was on the bottom level of the um Great Southern stand at the back of the
0: um all the seating. It's not a bad view to see that golf. Yeah, up. yeah. It was good. It was
1: good. I was with your I was with your I was with your mate Gareth. We just happened to bump into each other in yes, the yes. game. And um Big catch oh, fan. It was great. I it just we had a we just lost it and um yeah it was really fun to have that moment with him and uh just like i I was um completely drained at the end of that game and um it was yeah that was a that was a pretty special special um game to be at obviously but then 2011 was different again um yeah and that was again uh pretty amazing to be at and and witness but um yeah, I guess it was a. It was sort of. Um, it was the icing on the cake, I guess, in terms of like uh, you know. But I don't know. It, that game actually, I think the it was tighter than kind of the final margin um, suggests.
0: Oh, no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, and I
1: think it really. Uh, I think I think a lot of people, apart from you know being, the end of that dynasty like. Uh, it is kind of, I think, the announce the. It was really Tom Hawkins putting his stamp on, on a game for the first time in his career, and kind of announcing the net, the the trajectory for the team for the next, you know, what was that twenty eleven? So the next ten years, you know, like it, he he it, it was it was his um his moment to sort of um announce himself. Yeah. Cause he, yeah. He 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 really he, did. Yeah. He really did. Um and, yeah, I I don't know. I I think I. 2011 was great, but I do probably have more vivid memories of the 07 and 09 flags.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. Yeah. It was a great period, and um, there was a fantastic book on this uh, this period for Joel, yeah. isn't it? The 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 Mission, I think, was it by Scott Gullen, the Herald Sun Journalist? Yeah, I I did read The Mission, and then they updated it
1: after the third flag with another um, section. Yeah. I. Um, I read I read that a long time ago, and it's 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 great. It really details the the, the journey and the people, like the amazing people involved in in in, in sort of turning the club around. I've actually read yep,
0: the review. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like um, I've actually read a few other books that are pretty. If if you want to read more about the Geelong Football Club, yeah, <laughs> that I, I think yeah, are sure. really um good. There's a there's a book called Comeback, uh, and I I, I forget yep. who the author was unfortunately but it's a great read and kind of um goes into it's kind of a romantic look back on um what you know the football club and what it means to the town and how it sort of fits in the history of the town but also talking about the people that have been a big part of the club uh and sort of you know when when you when you couch like what's happened in more recent years in that history it does all kind of fit I think that when teams when teams break through and do something great you can't follow a template of something else. I feel like even you know I, no. I think you would even agree like with with the D's like you have to do it the Melbourne way, you know, like you can't you can't look at um you know uh Richmond or the great you know a team a team that's had a had a good run recently and just go all right, we have to do everything that they're doing because um, they're not you, yeah. you know, they're not you. There's different You've people. You've got to go
0: by your DNA. Yeah, you and know. it's
1: like, I guess, you know, you look at like a team like Essendon right now, they have very specific Essendon problems, you know, and like yeah. like it, it's going to take an Essendon solution um, to, to get them back to where they are. So, like, you kind of have to embrace the idiosyncrasies of, you know, what's unique to that club. How can yeah. you turn... It's a very hard, it's hard...
0: Sorry, it's a very hard thing because you want to clubs like that May need to look outside yeah. for external solutions and new fresh eyes, but it's got to be, I guess, it's got to fit the mold of yeah. what the ethos of the club is and what, what yeah, what they're all totally. about. Totally.
1: Um, and I think like Geelong, it's, it's really, it's just being a one team town and a very specific, you know, like being one of the, being probably the only regional club, it's a pretty unique environment to like to draw on, like, so I think, like, that's always been the the challenge with, um, like, Geelong being a good team. They have a pretty unique set of circumstances, and I think they've done that really well in the last, I think that's what the club administration has recognised very well over the last, you know, 15 years, is that, like, you play to your strengths, you play to what's unique about, you know, the town. I think they recruit people who they know will fit in that environment, yeah. how they can get them to perform. You know, you look at Tyson Stengel this year. The club saw that, like a player who was not realising his potential, they probably saw that the Geelong environment could really benefit someone like that. And obviously, bringing in Eddie Betts as support was an amazing idea as well. And and they've just got this, like you know, almost fifty goal small forward out of nowhere. Um, and I think that, like you know, the Tyson Stengel thing might not have worked at a big Melbourne club. Might have been too hard. I don't know. Maybe um, not. But like I think, Maybe I think that, you know you got to um I think what Geelong has done really well is uh they recognize what's what's unique about the place what kind of people are going to work in that in the in in Geelong and I think that's a credit to like the people who um made it work over the last little while. Uh yeah. Sorry, just back to yeah. all, I was talking about that book. I think that book provides a lot of really interesting context. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, really interesting yeah. stuff. It was, what was it called? Yeah, Comeback. Yeah, it's called
1: Comeback. Um, yeah, interesting. It's, it's, um, it's really good.
0: Yeah. yeah. You get to check that one out. It's arguable whether <laughs> you called this period unsuccessful or successful, but I want to now move on to the period after those flags, yeah. between uh, guess, 2012 and this year, Yeah, last decade or so. I guess the first thing... I'd ask, well, just a little bit of context. I mean, it's not been unsuccessful. They've made the finals, mm. oh, off the top of my head, eight times out of ten years, maybe. Yeah. Or, uh, six top four finishes, maybe something mm. like that. That's I'm completely guessing those. But uh, the question is, after 2011, did you honestly think there wasn't another flag coming? <laughs> that yeah, decade? of
1: course. So. Uh, well, yeah. I I hope there was. I really like. Um. I really. I realistically and this is easy to say in hindsight I think that there could have been one in 2013 I think people can probably agree that that's the one that they could have got to and I do think that 2016 yeah. if they'd somehow gotten through to the grand final against the Bulldogs I feel like they could have like pinched that one I just feel like a would have been a good match up for the Dogs that year but, but I do concede that like you kind of look back on those. There are a few. There are a few um, years where we finished quite high, and maybe, maybe weren't really the team. You know that everyone thought we might have been. There's definitely been some really disappointing finals performances, and I think in the back of my mind, I probably always knew that they was they weren't as well rounded, or maybe they're. Um, you know, like, the, and they came up against. What was it 2017? Yeah, 17, the year Richmond won. You know, they're just sort of, um, like, they weren't on that run that Richmond were on. I, I can't really sort of... Like, I think that, you know, you have to call it a successful period. But maybe there's just yeah. been better teams or, um, you know, like, it's definitely a feat to be really good across the home and away season. But, it yeah, it doesn't mean a lot in the in, when, when you can't perform in the finals. Um, but yeah, it's weird, it's weird being, it's weird just from a fan experience. I won't like, you know, from a fan experience, it's hard to, it's pretty rich to complain, I think, when your team's always there. Yeah, yeah. But it's confusing, because it's like, well, yeah, we're there, but then we get into this big final, and, you know, then we lose, and it's like, you know, what would have been better to just not make the finals? (laughs) I don't know, like, it's, um... Yeah as a fan it's a it's a t- it's been an interesting time to um navigate even in 2020 when we made the grand final it's still uh you know I definitely thought they could win but um the team didn't have all the it didn't have what Richmond had that year it clearly didn't it, no, it just it no. wasn't Not the well-rounded team that Richmond were and um it just didn't have the weapons that they did and I mean, they had they—they're they're good teams. Like, don't get me wrong. All these teams that have made finals and they're stars and they—they're they're, they're kind of a little bit like those Geelong teams from the '90s, where they, you know, yeah. Well, actually, just missing a yeah. little bit extra. Yeah, really. and I think that I think that um Chris Scott, like, he's tried to. I think that he's always had the like you know a lot of people are very critical of Chris Scott. And I, but I always think he's kind of had the right strategy for the personnel he's had, yeah. and you know that you know the, those years where I mean you know very very recently where they've been very methodical with their ball movement. Um, I think really those were probably it was probably the right way to play for that list. Um, you know, that, yeah,
0: yeah. I think for some of those years, yeah, definitely. Uh, and
1: like, yes, they didn't make it all the way, but but they did very well. Uh, maybe they were never going to win the flag but I think he's always done very well I think he's an extremely smart guy I think he knows how to get the best out of his list and he's he's lucky I mean he is lucky that he won that flag early on because I think that earned him a lot of trust you know early yeah um and that's helped him and it's important for a coach to feel safe in their role um you know, in, uh, yeah, as we're yeah, saying a lot these yeah, days. Instability
0: yeah, instability is awful. You just don't get that time. Yeah, exactly.
1: And like, yes, there is a there is yeah. sometimes a point where you've got to pull the pin and sort of make a change. But I think um, Chris Scott is lucky. He earned that trust early on. He's done very well. I think he's always done... And I think he's grown. Like, he's definitely not been afraid to change. Um, I think he's, he's aware of where he can improve. And I think that this year we're seeing that he has made some really positive changes... He's got some... Yeah, like like I said, he's... Well, no, sorry. Like, I think he's got, like... He's got... He's done some... I mean, you know, a lot of the credit for some of these younger players coming in has to go to Stephen Wells as well. But the list does have a better look about it this year. It feels like there's, there's flexibility. The team has more gears. And I think that they are... Look, I don't know what you think, but I do feel like this is that uh, They definitely are in a, a good position this year.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'll get to that in one second. Yes? <laughs> I just, because you've actually, no, I had this question ready for you and you actually answered. I was going to yeah. ask you what year in that last decade was the best chance at winning a yeah. uh, flag. And yeah, I agree with you. I think 2013 was a much better chance than people remember. Mm uh that first qualifying final that they lost to frio yeah, really threw a spanner absolutely. in the works uh they were running hawthorn to the wall in the prelim mm. right up until the third well, the 20 points up i think at yeah, point of time. Yeah. And yeah that was the moment yeah. i would have fancied the chances against frio in the grand final that was the worst uh, that was the
1: worst experience at a football game i've ever had i think at losing that game yeah <laughs> i think so
0: yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> I was with you actually. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't pleasant. Uh, um, yeah. sixteen. I thought the side was really mm-hmm. good. I thought they had a very good chance to win the flag that year, and they just got jumped mm-hmm. in that first quarter in the prelim by the Swans. Uh, yeah, uh, I do agree. I think those were the two best sides of that of that decade. Um, twenty twenty. That I agree. They were they were good. They played some really good footy at times. Uh, but they were probably maybe the third or fourth best team throughout mm. the year. Did they finished, uh, they finished fourth, did they, I think? So yeah, I thought the 2020 side was, was really good. Definitely had a lot of good players, but mm. in the end, uh, I felt like those seasons in 13 and 16 were probably their best chances. And, uh, yeah, just didn't quite get it done.
1: Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, just those things. This history littered with, I guess, the best teams that don't quite go all the way.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we were talking about before how how rarely the minor premier goes on to win the flag. I mean, it it. Uh, I mean, in recent times, I feel like it's it. Yeah, we, we were saying it hasn't happened that much.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in. It seems like it mm. usually comes from third or second to. Uh, quite a lot mm. I don't know mm. what the stats are exactly but yeah it's, it's an interesting one to be a good one to drill down on at some point mm. this is the end of part one of our episode with special guest James raft stay tuned for part two where we discuss the cat's chances in the 2022 final series.